Jam 99.1 FM, broadcasting locally in Waiwayongatanong, Windsor, Detroit, into the world at cjam.ca. The Windsor Amputee Support Group aims to provide a place where amputees can share their experiences. The WASG arranges guest speakers, social gatherings, and a peer support mentor program, which is available to both amputees and their families. Our office is now at Hotel de Grasse Healthcare on Prince Road. Appointments are required. To contact the Windsor Amputee Support Group, call 226-347-6678 or email windsoramps at gmail.com. For more information, visit windsoramps.ca. And you are currently tuned into Absent Sounds here on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. 
The song kicking off our show for today is Cherry Coke by the band Status, Non-Status. And for today's show, we are joined by Adam Sturgeon, who is the mind behind Status, Non-Status for an interview. We're so grateful to have you here today to speak with us, and I'm really excited, especially for your show tonight. Um, so how are you doing? And I guess what's it like in your mind these days? Uh, I'm doing really good. Um excited to come back to Windsor. We've only played Windsor just a couple of times and obviously it's been a couple of years. So uh, it's nice to kind of start plotting the course again and, uh, you know, trying to stay safe at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is it like the first uh, rounds of shows you're doing post COVID? Well, not post COVID, but near the, yeah. 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 Definitely, uh, this is sort of a one-off, just as there's a little bit of a gap between our U.S. tour and our Canadian tour. Um, But yeah, we just started dabbling in shows again, sort of in September, and really just uh, one or two shows. And uh, yeah, we're just kind of getting the ball rolling again, seeing how um, everything shakes out. Yeah, that's kind of exciting, but I guess a little nerve-wracking as well. Um, especially with how everything keeps flustering between opening and closing and opening again. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, like our, our safety and the safety of uh, people that need those concerns is is really vital. Um, Mm -hmm. While at the same time, we do want to get active, but uh, because we're traveling sort of circuit, Yes, we need we need to like be really mindful of our interactions and engagements, and um, you know probably find a lot of us wearing masks and stuff like that. So um, yeah, just uh, better safe than sorry, I think right now. Um, yeah, but still anxious to you know have a, a semblance of uh, normalcy, whatever that means. And I don't necessarily think that everything was peachy keen beforehand at all. Um, yeah. but. Uh, you know, we have to live with some sense of hope, too. Yeah, I really like the way you put that, live with some sense of hope. Um, yeah. Now, to usually to get started with our show, to introduce you um, to listeners who are not familiar with your music, we always like to do a little bit of a dive into your musical journey and how you got started in, in to the place where you are today. So would you like to take us back to that time in your life when you first started out with music and started with the band? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really started kind of getting more serious about music. Um, when I moved to home to Guelph in my uh, early mid 20s. Uh, and that's when I started this band with Kirsten Palm. <clears throat> and so it's kind of a different, different lineup. Um, but it was kind of the first time where I started taking music a little more seriously. Obviously, I you know, learned how to play guitar. I taught myself how to play guitar when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. um, I was actually a hockey player. So kind of coming from an entirely different life and lifestyle and world. And music was kind of always my <clears throat> little fallback and release and uh, comfort zone in an otherwise kind of challenging uh, world uh, that I didn't necessarily fit into fully. Um so yeah, I, I've always used music in kind of a good way. And and I guess at the time I was going through like a lot of different personal struggles and um, identity issues and um, 
and and other and other uh, problems a lot that come with that stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I've always kind of used music in in a really uh, healing way to like really try to go into myself and tap into the things that I was feeling and bring them out and and to leave those into songs or leave those on the stage. And so, um, yeah, I started out as a recording artist more so to kind of do that personal healing work. And then when I kind of brought it to the stage, I recognized that there was this incredible physical release that came with music too so then I really started to tour a whole bunch Mm -hmm. and uh I guess now you know we kind of have a system where we're you know making records playing shows and doing the whole music thing yeah and I I, well two things that kind of stood out to me when you were telling us a little bit about yourself um the first thing meaning that music gave you a, a sort of release um especially that's interesting considering the context that a lot of your music I guess speaks to which is things that seem a little bit maybe a little bit more heavier things that seem a little more challenging to get into whether it's like colonialism or genocide against indigenous populations Mm. well it's really daunting when you you know if you just like look at uh canadian history as a whole and then uh the it, it 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 puts a lot of weight and pressure. And so for, I think any kind of marginalized community or like real folk music, which is not to me a genre, Mm -hmm. it's about trying to like overcome like social injustices or social statuses. And I have had a lot of struggles with that over time. And I think the more that I've been able to focus on myself and my journey as just like, just my voice and not the voice of all of my people or you know uh it's it's gotten a little bit easier and I think that my music has become more uplifting um Mm -hmm. but again you know it's just about creating that release so music is such a beautiful tool in that way because you kind of have carte blanche you can almost say and do anything you like and yeah, I think that there's a lot of weight on marginalized communities to do or say and be, you know, the right thing or perfect or, you know, all the internalized oppressions that we put on ourselves. But, you know, music is um, superfluous. <laughs> it, it's yeah. something that you can uh, create. Um, and so in that, I feel lucky that I've been able to kind of just explore it and find it. But uh, by no means perfect or, uh, you know, I don't know if everything I say is the right thing even, but, um, you know, you put you put it out there and try to do it in the best way possible. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think especially as um, I'm a fellow minority, I guess, but um, kind of I feel like there's this. I don't know if it's tokenism per se, but it's almost that way that you become the representation of the entire group that you belong to. And one thing that I think is especially out front with your work, specifically being the name Status Non Status, do you find that is is that combating that? Yeah, it was it was necessary actually um, that I put that forward because I think of those misconceptions. I'm passing first and foremost. And so I I do have a lot of privileges and a lot of my experience of things like racism have been inversions where I'm seeing it perpetuated on my own people, but people won't see it in me. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's, that's why I try to tell like my story and then also try to, you know, 
I, I do want to represent and, and support and uplift our groups and have that proper representation. But as long as the government is the one that's, uh, you know, feeding the music industry in many ways, right? We have grant systems and uh, as Indigenous people, we are defined under Canadian law, which is one of the only groups to be defined under law. The, these issues will continue to perpetuate themselves. So a lot of my work right now seeks to uh, engage that conversation and help dismantle that a little bit. And uh, I'm just trying to use my privileges to do that, my voice. And rather than trying to take up space is to create more space. And that's a really, really important part of uh, what we do. And, and, you know, our, our music communities need that in general, outside of all of the identity politics. We just, we need space. We need uh, retention. We need, uh, you know, we need all the things that, that help a, a community thrive. And, you know, we're at a, some kind of precipice of um, awareness. And I think that that's positive, but never without its challenges. Yeah. I absolutely agree. Um, has this always kind of been your outlook, the way you naturally view music and taking up space in the industry, I guess? Yeah. You, well, when I started doing it, I didn't realize that anyone else was doing it. It was very, like, kind of lonely and isolated, and it was an exploration. So an example is the first song that we ever did was a song called Beaujou, and mm-hmm. Beaujou is the word for hello in in the Anishinaabe language. And so I was just learning that word and the teachings around it because one word in our in our language has you know a breadth of meaning. But I was just learning and to all of a sudden just a couple years later be put on maybe a pedestal for lack of a better term of representing our whole communities. I just don't think that that's true. We have elders and teachers and there's so many things that got me to that point, but I was just trying to learn that word. Right. And that's, that's uh, significantly different than being like uh, a, um, a cultural educator, I think, you know, it's more of uh, find, finding myself and, and using the tools at my, disposal to do it i don't know if that makes sense or not no yeah i think it's uh, especially interesting the it almost sounds like there's this weird pull between your identity or at least as a person whether it's within music or outside of music whether it's like being a father or a canadian or indigenous person and having to reconcile all these separate identities but also people looking at you and that like the all we see when we when we listen to your music or when we um first encounter you is i guess just an indigenous person um which mm-hmm. especially when you talk about the way that the canadian music industry funds indigenous projects like how what, what does it what was the main change when you you changed your name from whoopsu to status non status well i mean it's been it's been really good because um i've been able to tell my family's story and so um I'm at a place where in my life, yeah, I am a father. And so there's i uh, I'm not at the end of the, the family line anymore. I'm able to look further ahead. And I also am able to, you know, see my family's past. And so, you know, it's easier for me to tell this story than my, my grandfather, you know, my grandfather has taken a lot of this stuff to his grave. And so there's a lot of unanswered questions for my father. And 
uh, I recognize this, the struggles in, um, I recognize that my family is on a healing journey and, and, and a big part of healing that journey is to participate in our community and relearn and reconnect. And that's all that I'm trying to do. And, uh, and, uh, so in, in my day life outside of music, I, I'm a, a mental health professional, so to speak. And a lot of the work that we do is to destigmatize. And so you can see this catch 22 where in music, all of a sudden you're selling your stigmas. I I don't think that that is particularly healthy, but I feel like I have a responsibility to do it. And that's where I was saying like marginalized groups, we have that responsibility of our whole communities kind of on our back, whether, you know, our community supports us or not is kind of irrelevant because we all feel that, um, that pressure to do right by our, by the, by the people in our, in our circles. And um, the best way for me to do that is to just tell my family story. And so to me, it means that people are more and more aware of the issues facing indigenous people. So if I can just talk about status as part of the, Indian status as part of the the thing, Mm -hmm. then that's great. And if I can just put it out there in the band name, maybe now I don't have to say as much or something. I don't really know, but, um, but I do feel that responsibility to do it. Mm -hmm. And in many ways we're being asked in our community to identify ourselves, to say who we are and who our families are. That's a part of our protocols. Mm -hmm. So this is a part of, uh, my band name as well, I suppose. Mm-hmm. There was a recent Instagram post that was done by Zoe Kravetz, who was going on about being a black actor. Um, and she was sharing her thoughts about, I guess, facing criticism and just having that word at the front of actor. So instead of, it's like, well, the, ca- the caption was like, I'll go take a black walk and I'll have a black talk with my black friend, then maybe have a black lunch and kind of just the way that it sounds. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think at the same time, I was, I, I felt conflicted. I wasn't even really sure, because on one hand, I agree, like, it is kind of ridiculous. You wouldn't say that about anything else. But on the other hand, it's, I feel like it's important to have people at the forefront of it, you know? Yeah, it's a, it is a double-edged sword, and I, I do think about that a, a lot as well, where, you know, and I was thinking that already when we were speaking. It's like I, I am an artist who is also Indigenous, or am I an Indigenous artist? And is it identity first or is it music first? And, um, you know, all those things are, are I guess, a, a conversation that needs to take place. I think a lot of us probably feel that if we could all accept ourselves and one another, maybe we could move forward in new and beautiful ways. Um, but I guess this is a part of that journey. So all I can hope for is that our that our children's and the next generations are um, more accepting of who and what they are Mm -hmm. and, and, and in solidarity with um, those who are different than them, which is, which I think just, you know, makes for a beautiful uh, cultural life experience. And um, yeah, you know, everyone should be allowed to be exactly what it is that they are yeah um 
And I think even as you mentioned, the next generation kind of take that role as someone who is, you know, taking care of your family now. How does that come up in, within your own family dynamic? How, or do you find your, your like son asking questions now? Well, my son has so much more opportunity. Like there's a, there's a, a, an indigenous childcare center just down the street from our house and there's all sorts of programming. So um, he is gaining that indigenous experience from a younger age, but he has blonde hair and light colored eyes and Mm -hmm. um, his quantum is down. And Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, in issues of quantum, those are, uh, I don't really know how to speak to, to, uh, like those issues on like race and color, what I do know how to speak to is more about nationhood and nation building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even Canada has been a sovereign nation that welcomes many, many different types of people into their communities. In, in an Indigenous community should also have the right to be self-determining. Mm-hmm. And um, while at the same time, we need to acknowledge our privileges and work but uh you know my son is exposed to language now that I was never exposed to like I said my first song was the word hello well you know my son already knows how to say that he's four years old so it's a huge step forward for for our communities and our education process around those things um but it will probably never be without its challenges my son has long hair and is being misgendered constantly so this week uh he took the scissors to his hair and this is this is also an issue that maybe like it has nothing to do with our identity per se i mean long hair is a huge part of our identity i should say and as we know about the residential school system is that they cut our hair off as a first uh, means to dismantle us um but in in essence he just feels like he's being called a girl and so then he reacts in a masculine way to that, which is the thing that we don't want to happen. And it's this, uh, you know, I'm just learning and observing from from child children and are these learned behaviors that are we perpetuating these behaviors or other people, you know, what is our community even at this point in time? So, uh, you know, that exists within and without our community, but, um, I see a great benefit to my family and the path that we're on at this point in time. Yeah. I think there's like something so important with hair and just with African-Americans or I mean, African Canadians, mm-hmm. um, like, I'm like, yeah. even for myself, like my hair journey has been something that's, I don't even know why it's so, it, it's so important, but it, it feels like, you know, when you like straighten your hair or try and get rid of the kinks, it's kind of like erasing your identity, identity or, you know, cutting your hair, for example, um, and I think it's also really interesting how in your uh, the album Warrior Down, there's two songs that specifically talk about hair. Were those any, did those tie in at all with it, like long braided hair or cut your hair? Yeah, yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Our our hair is our connection to earth and it's it, it belongs with our teaching of wisdom, which has a medicine, sweet grass is our, the medicine that we use. And in our language, that's ween gashke, means hair of the earth. And the braid is the three strands of our being, our mind, our body, and our soul. And so um, when we cut our hair, uh, we are infracting on that connection 
and that's <clears throat> that's a spiritual concept that mm-hmm. uh, that I that I follow and and it's a visible concept as well so people can see I'm a man with long hair and when I braid my hair I have to live that teaching to the best of my ability mm-hmm. and so um yeah both of those songs have very strong meaning of our connection to the earth and our connection to people and um yeah you know my my son has cut his hair because he's he's being called something that he doesn't want to be called mm-hmm. and uh we're trying to teach the teachings and the lessons and give him that strength and show him the examples right now he's really into Kurt Cobain uh, who has long blonde hair too. So, you know, he's kind of identifying with that. And then uh, one of the kids that I work with, uh, her brother has long braided hair and he really likes, he really likes that, that guy. And so, you know, we're just trying to show him other, uh, other, other men <laughs> that, yeah, that have, that have long hair, right. Or that, that are, um, you know, he's really pretty you know, and that's also a part of the misgendering. And so uh, teaching him to accept those words and also to, you know, use his words and say, uh, I'm actually a boy. And if that, you know, if that's how he feels at this point in time, even, you know, when he was born, we, we did not want to like overly gender him. And, and it's just, you know, go into a department store and it's, there's pink clothes and there's blue clothes, but is there, is there anything that's pink and blue, you know, and, and is that okay? Of course it's okay. You can be whatever you want in this world. That's the beautiful thing about it. Thank you.
We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Tune in to Indie Electric every Friday from 10.30 a.m. until noon, where you can hear a selection of the latest and greatest in independent rock and electronic music. Indie Electric, only here on 99.1 CGM FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit.
You are currently dialed into Apps and Sounds here on CGEM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. You're currently listening to an interview that I did with Adam from Status Non-Status, which is a band that will be playing tonight at the Meteor. And I and I really wanted to touch back as well on another EP that you guys released, which was one, two, three, four, five hundred years. <laughs> now, I guess before I say anything, do you want to just explain the significance of the title? Uh, well, it was it was a cultural exchange that we did in Guadalajara, Mexico. So the the five hundred years is kind of just talking about that five hundred years of resistance or thereabouts, right, of colonial um, injustice, and so we. We went down to Mexico and did a did an exchange, and another band from Mexico came up and did an exchange in Canada, and we did some recording, <clears throat> and we had someone who so, sort of showed us the homelands and explained the history of their city and like really let us know, you know, where where our hair was touching down, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that that one, two, three, four, five hundred years, I think it's just saying that there's a perpetuation of this colonial history. I guess in the, in the process of exploring their history, did that uncover anything in your own personal history or did you have any like sort of revelations or something, anything while you were down there? Yeah. I mean, I think over the course of the last few years, it's just been more and more what I'm talking about. It's just really trying to focus on myself and my family's story so that I don't feel that intense responsibility to my whole community or nation. I, 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 um, I'm not the spokesperson for my whole nation. It's not my right. And, um, and it's not fair to us as indigenous artists or artists who are also indigenous to have to bear that responsibility. It is certainly nice that we are being given the space to tell our stories and that's a good focus. So in that, it it was a reminder, I've done all this traveling, living all around and working in different communities. And it's always the same. I'm always a guest, you know, and there's a protocol to uh, work with the young people. You know, you need to, or like to arrive in a community, you need to speak to the elders so they can tell you about where you are and what, what it is that you're doing and, and earn their respect and trust to, you know, work with their community and then try to not speak for them specifically or, you know, when you do to, to do it in a way where it's, you know, just creating awareness so that someone can speak to it from their community you know to open those doorways for people to think a little bit harder about their misconceptions which i think is pretty common in our in our in our in our groups that made me think of something i wanted to mention before earlier on but i i guess now that you said that kind of popped it back up in my in my brain kind of the idea of trauma mining in a way and there's a definition that i liked that was by quake lab that says the process of creating an environment that demands um, so like black people, indigenous people, women, disabled, et cetera, to just share their experience of discrimination. And I think often that while the process is kind of often it's shaped in the way that it seems as if we're moving forward, at least to something that's more equitable or just, you know, the world we want to live in, I guess. But um, often it doesn't really serve a purpose other than to it becomes this way to like prove that what we went through is real. Mm. There's no re- real thing that comes out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to be a victim. I, I, I want to be a survivor and, 
it, it is easier for me to tell my story than my ancestors. And I'm trying to tell their, their story. And I totally agree with you there. There's a really fine line between, uh, you know, awareness building and, and uh, trauma porn. And, and I don't know if that is, you know, for us inside of ourselves in marginalized groups, we need to be extremely cautious of that for sure. But I'm not sure that I feel like that's my problem. Yeah. I feel like that's, Canadian society's problem you know we've we've had the big movement around orange shirt day and I, I run a youth program print shop that deals with a lot of that stuff on the side and you know we really did need to put a barrier between us and the non-indigenous community when we were going through that process because a lot of people were telling us their story of 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 awareness or their their lack of awareness about it all and we were like well we've always known i can't remember not knowing about residential schools personally so we needed we do need to protect ourselves in that process and and um to to uh and to survive to be survivors right is i I think that's the way to go about it you know is to you know yeah, we need to be careful of being victims, I think, in a way. But um, you know, this is a really good conversation that we're having, and I, you know, I don't really know all those all those answers, but those are definitely a lot of the feelings that come up. And it sounds like you can really um, relate and think you're thinking about those things as well. So yeah, and I feel like there's often it's often, good to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's nice to have somebody because I feel like often, especially when you're in like a community where there's not many people who like you when you're around you it's don't want to open that conversation with everybody but yeah exactly and and that's the that's the fine line because we want to build awareness we want to share and tell the stories but we don't want to be um not beholden to it but uh like uh amplified just because of that Mm -hmm. or because it's a quota or or whatever. And, you know, my experience of quotas sometimes is I don't really look the part or there's confusion around like colorism, I suppose. And so then that, that becomes a part of the issue too, because it's like, Oh, you know, you're not exactly what we thought we were checking the box for. And, Mm -hmm. and that, that stuff is, um, it's kind of infuriating. So again, yeah, I'm just trying to, tell my family's story of enfranchisement and of uh, status laws in Canada. And um, yeah. And, and also our indigenous experience, the beauty of our culture and, you know, learning about the way that our ancestors were and their migration, where they came from, how they got to where they were. All of those things are such a, such an important part of, of how, uh, how I want to see the world and 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 move through it I I really feel like understanding my family's past will allow me to to find better answers for the future yeah yeah I I think even just listening it sounds like a lot of the work that you do um kind of draws you closer into your your family history and your ancestors and um is there any like story that sticks out to you right now that kind of comes to the forefront of your mind as you think about that well, you know, I spent a lot of time the last little while um, 
you know, I think people are aware of like the, the story of Warrior Down a little bit. My grandfather's on the cover and he was a military person. And, you know, learning more about his father and how he protected them when they were coming over from the U.S. Um, yeah, just like there's, there's so, so many stories about our migration and our nomadism, for lack of a better term, that I've, yeah, I've just really taken an interest in um, learning about my family and my family name. And I guess that's kind of the most important thing for me in my kinship is that we still have our last name. And, and while maybe a couple hundred years ago, we were an indigenous version of that name, we are Sturgeon people. And so that gives me roots that I can follow. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've just continued and continued to follow those. But there's so much uh, strength that I find always being renewed in our name. Yeah. Um, and I guess another nice thing that's happened over the last little bit is... Um, my dad's story has been told a little bit as well. My dad uh, was a professional hockey player as well and uh, was not always accepted into either community. And, um, and recently his like hockey cards have been featured in some indigenous hockey card platforms and his story has been told a little bit as well. And I, I think that that's really, really meaningful, um, for for him because he was never really allowed to be either thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think that's that's really hard well i mean there's lots of different histories out there and um this that's just uh that's just one of them
Today on Absent Sounds, we are playing songs from the band Status Non-Status, who are playing tonight at the Meteor. And ahead of the show tonight, we talked to Adam Sturgeon, who is the lead singer behind the band. CJM 99.1 FM, redefining radio in the Windsor, Detroit area. Y'all tune in now, you hear? CJAM listeners, looking for more ways to connect with CJAM programming? Try streaming CJAM through iHeartRadio. Listen online, download the iHeartRadio app, or use your smart speaker. Alexa, play CJAM on iHeartRadio. Experience CJAM FM on higher ground, no matter where you are. I guess I'll start off by saying that this is this is going to sound probably like stereotypical and I'm not necessarily saying this is my opinion or anything, but the music that you play doesn't necessarily sound like, quote unquote, indigenous. It doesn't almost like fit into the box, you know? Traditional. Well, yeah, I mean, like so much of our history has been relegated to the past and, you know, I have a lot of respect for the drum mm -hmm. um, so much so that I never thought it was appropriate for me to bring it to the bar mm -hmm. and so I always kept those things separate I, I do do lodge and I do sing traditional songs and you know I've been taught and carried those things and and that's that's my cultural experience and so contemporary and, ind and indigenous futures is more about what what we're trying to do um, I do have the new project with Daniel Monkman on say. And, and in that project, we are leaning into our culture a little bit more, but it's still contemporary music blending with our storytelling. And storytelling has always been a part of our culture. Uh, we were very oral people. And so um, maybe we're not that far away from traditions. It's just that um, we are not the fictitious image that has been portrayed about ourselves. You know, when they were uh, first coming over here and looking at Indigenous people, you know, they were putting us on horseback and it was bows and arrows. And even in school as a young person, you know, it was teepees. Well, my people never lived in teepees, right? And so we have had to do a lot of dismantling. And, in, in, you know, I live in a house and outside my house is a, is a road and, in, and beside my house is a car. And those are those are part of a contemporary Indigenous experience at this point. And there, there's no clock that we can reset. Um, all we can do is learn from the past and try and find better ways forward um, as society. 
and so you know i th- i think that there's a lot of room for indigenous artists to grow and to amplify themselves in any genre sphere and still be uh uplifting their identities and also being artists however they see fit um and, and I, I still will always have that ultimate respect for the for the drum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a way, it sounds as if like asserting your identity as indigenous. It also follows the same process as deconstructing the ideas that everyone else has of what you're supposed to be, or what your music's supposed to sound like, or what you should be doing. I think it's the shoulds. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's just a it's a big giant circle, and the beautiful thing about a circle is that it has the the room to grow infinitely. And we all see each other in that circle. And that is also a really beautiful thing. And um, it's, uh, it's the color of a rainbow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's really nice. So that would be the, that would be the hope, I think at least. Right. And um, you know, if we can help others see that the people that don't see that, then that would be really good too. Before we close off or go near to the end of the interview today, um, I wanted to take some time to, I guess, maybe shift the conversation a little bit more into maybe current things that are around you that have been giving you joy. I feel like these conversations sometimes can feel a little heavy or has there anything, is there anything around you that's been giving you joy recently? Well, it's like, you know, we, we had the, the pandemic and, and it was, it was no consolation because sure we had to cancel a lot of shows and put a lot of our careers on hold but I think it did allow us to focus on the things that were most important so for me it was an opportunity to be at home and watch my son grow some more and so yeah family is definitely by far and away the the very most important uh, part of my life Um, we've had some lineup changes in our band and those have been really uh, positive moves as well um and so it's it's nice to um it's nice to be on the road with folks that have maybe never toured quite the way we've toured that have that sense of excitement and enjoy every kilometer that you drive where you know others of us are a little bit more jaded and worn out with that kind of thing (laughs) but uh you know just trying to enjoy the little things you know i look forward to waking up in the morning and having a coffee <laughs> yeah it's a small thing. And, and that's a it's a great thing you know i like i i look forward to waking up each day and that's um not something that i was always able to say i mean the pandemic's had its up and downs no doubt right but generally speaking um i've got a positive head on my shoulders yeah Thank you. That, yeah, I really like that. Um, and uh, looking ahead, what shows do you guys have coming up next? Well, tonight's Windsor. Yeah, um, there's a bunch of stuff. We are about to switch gears and get Ombikase um, going into mm-hmm. shows a little bit. So I'm looking forward to some uh, announcements around that. Um, we have a show with the uh, Broken Social Scene at Massey Hall on April 20th. Mm-hmm. Um, status non-status has a local show on april 16th um and then it'll be kind of like summer festival season so uh i think that the outdoor shows is going to be probably like the safest best bet mm-hmm. and uh otherwise i think we should still just be really mindful of uh everyone and their safety and their feelings around all that and just be really like patient and graceful as we uh as we take steps out of uh 
this thing that may or may not be over. Yeah, for sure. Cautiously optimistic. Looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you so much for talking to me. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much.
Good evening. You are currently tuned into Apps and Sounds here on CJAM 99.1 FM, reaching higher ground in Windsor and Detroit. The last couple of songs we played for you all came out of the Warrior Down album by Status Non-Status. And I think as well as Someone Back Together, we've been playing through those two albums ahead of their show tonight at The Meteor. And we also had an interview that we were playing with the frontman of the band, Adam Sturgeon, who was kind enough to join us. You are tuned into Apps and Sounds here on CJAM 99.1 FM, and I hope you are having a great day. If you didn't already know that today was Bandcamp Friday, I highly recommend you go on Bandcamp and buy these two albums, as well as anything from their associated acts, such as Zune. Uh, the music is amazing, and there is never a better time or a better day to support local musicians. Well, they're not necessarily local, they're from Guelph, but just to support Canadian music as this moment right now. So I highly recommend you go online, or if you already have the album, why don't you come to the show tonight? I hope that you are already on your way, or you already have arrangements, but if you don't, you can still buy tickets at the door, just show up to the meteor, uh, grab a seat, have a good time, and listen to more amazing music. I'm going to keep playing us out with the last uh, couple songs I have here. But to close out, I just wanted to say I hope I see you there tonight. And I hope you enjoyed the music. My name is Wee You've been listening to Absent Sounds. And I'll catch you next week. Bye. You